Afroverdict, brought to you by Sputnik Africa. This is your host Victor Anakin and you're listening to Afro Verdict. Today I'm joined by Ugandan Member of Parliament, Honorable Asuman Basalirwa, who initiated the Anti-Homosexuality Act, which was signed by President Yoweri Museveni on the 29th of May. This law outlaws same-sex marriages and relations aimed at preserving the family union and traditional values. We're going to talk about why this law is important for Uganda, the people's attitude to it, and the reaction of United States officials. Sir, welcome to our program. Thank you very much and uh, greetings to all our viewers and listeners all over the world. Thank you. Uh, let, yeah, let's begin with a, a short introduction, just so that our listeners can, uh, you know, get to know who you are. Well, thank you very much, my brother. My name is Vasali Rasman. I am a lawyer by profession. I am also a leader of the Justice Forum political party, one of the opposition political parties here in Uganda. I'm a member of parliament representing a constituency called Bujiri Municipality in eastern Uganda. Thank you. Why did you feel that this legislation was necessary when you introduced it in the first place? Well, first of all, this legislation is not new. The first piece of legislation on uh, homosexuality was actually brought here by the British during the colonial regime when they brought us the Penal Code Act where the Penal Code provided for unnatural offenses. So as early as the 50s, 1950s and 60s, we had a law on homosexuality or what you would call unnatural offenses which was brought by actually the British. Moving forward, um, the Parliament of Uganda did legislate and enacted an anti-homosexuality law, which was nullified by the Constitutional Court. So the law that I brought was intended to reinstate what the Constitutional Court had nullified by addressing the issues that led to its nullification. So in terms of uh, content, in terms of history, in terms of background, there is nothing new that we are dealing with. Obviously, circumstances and situations have changed. Um, because now when you talk about homosexuality, especially in countries like Uganda, there is financing, there is recruitment, there is promotion, which are not well covered in the existing piece of legislation. So. My 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 motivation was intended to bridge the gap or to fill the gap in the present pieces of legislation so that we have a comprehensive law that broadly addresses matters related to homosexuality. I see. And tell us to what extent does the public support the Anti-Homosexuality Act at the moment? Well... I have been in Parliament for some time. This is the only piece of legislation that has attracted support from all political divide. All members of Parliament, except two, supported in favor of this law. Now that shows that if the representatives of the people 
are in support of the law. Then, in effect, the people they represent are in support of the law. And ever since uh, I brought that law, public opinion, the sentiments, the comments have all been positive. So this is what you would call really a people's law. This is what you would call a popular law. And uh, the date was as ever since it was signed by the president and it became law. Ugandans uh, have even been coming to parliament, bringing petitions to appreciate parliament because of what we did. So it's, it's, a, it's a, a law that is overwhelmingly supported by almost 98% of Ugandans. And for what reason do you think the people support this Anti-Homosexuality Act? No, you see, homosexuality has been with us here in Uganda, and we cannot pretend about it. It has been with us. There is historical information to show that we've lived with homosexuality. But as as a people, as a country, it has been always resented. And people who were found or known to be homosexuals were actually rejects, social rejects. So it has uh, um, its roots in our, uh, in our values as a community. It's a repairing issue. People were treated as rejects. People were treated as deviants. Uh, who needed actually redemption, who needed counseling, who needed support in, in all respects. So it has that history. It is a, it is a, um, a culture or a vice that society has rejected historically. And so it must be looked at from that angle. I see. And in your opinion, how does law protect children specifically? Well, the law has very broad provisions for the children. Number one, um, child offenders obviously are not punished like adult offenders. When you look at this law, the maximum punishment for child offenders is three years. And uh, so the punishment takes into cognizance of the fact that these are children. Uh, you, You don't have to punish them the way you punish other sectors or other classes of society. Number two, the law sets the death penalty. If you are found having acts of homosexuality with the children, so it seeks to protect the children from these acts. So that also gives them protection. Number three, the law also um, criminalizes the promotion so you cannot promote acts of homosexuality, um, and, and, and that is also intended to safeguard the children from, from the influence or effects of homosexuality. Number four, the law says if an adult has been convicted of an act of homosexuality, he or she cannot be employed in any public agency that supports children. So that in itself is very protective. So those are some of the outstanding provisions that seek to protect children under the law. All right, yeah, no, that makes sense. Why do you find it important that this law should protect children from homosexuality? Well, because 
um, the promoters are targeting children. I have had interactions with the, uh, many young people, and they have given me evidence of what actually happens in schools. So if we don't target schools, then they are going to be recruits into this habit or into this vice. So that's why it was important. And you see, Uganda has a very big young population. So if you don't address it from the that uh, demographic angle, you risk um, having many recruits among these young people. And how would this threaten society in Uganda? Obviously, if you're promoting homosexuality, then you're undermining uh, marriage. You're undermining family values. You're undermining uh, uh, marital values and obligations. And you see, in our, 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 even our constitution here, bars same-sex marriages. So one of the, the consequences of homosexuality is same-sex marriages that are actually unconstitutional. So if you want to protect the sanctity of the family, the sanctity of marriages, then the only logical conclusion is actually to outlaw homosexuality. Absolutely so. President Museveni said on multiple occasions that Ugandan society experiences the negative impact of Western values. How susceptible is Uganda society to Western influence? Well, we are very susceptible and vulnerable for very many reasons. Number one, most of our elite have studied from the Western world. They have families there. They have businesses there. They receive medical care from there. So they are exposed uh, to Western influence. And that makes us very vulnerable. Number two, the Western world um, are some of the biggest donors or development partners in Uganda, supporting uh, sectors like the, the health sector, the education sector, the, uh, the security, and the others. So because they have a presence, uh, even in civil society, uh, you are likely to have uh, uh, many people being employed in projects or programs that are supported by the Western world. And as a result, we become vulnerable and susceptible to Western influence. Yeah, like, uh, like many countries nowadays. The Western media, while covering the adoption of the law, are claiming that those identifying themselves as LGBTQ people would be punished. Is that so? You see, part of the problem with the Western media is deliberate distortion, misinformation and propaganda. I have been reading and even watching their media. First, the, the narrative, their narrative is based on ignorance. They have not read the law. They have not internalized the law. This law does not criminalize existence. Because as I said, we've lived with homosexuals here since time immemorial. So it does not criminalize existence. You can only be criminalized if you are found you are seen, you are found in those acts that the law has uh, prohibited. So if, if, if you are gay, you are in your home, in your house, and nobody uh, 
uh, is there to, you know, because this law does not go into people's bedrooms and houses to see or police on what they are doing. No. But you see, once you go beyond and come where the law will be able to catch you, then there is no, there is no doubt you, 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 you'll be caught. It makes sense because it's like, do what you want at home as long as you don't spread it onto other people and affect society at large. And you see, that is actually the concept of crime. It's, that's the concept of crime. You can steal successfully and they don't get you. But if eventually they get you, the law will catch up with you. So you may, you may be able to do whatever you want to do. But eventually, um, if, if, if you want to provoke the law, then do it where you are seen, where you can be cited. Then the law will come for you. For those of you that have just tuned in, this is your host, Victor Anakin, and you're listening to Afro Verdict, brought to you by Sputnik Africa. Honorable Asuman Basalira explains that Western media is deliberately distorting the meaning of the Anti-Homosexuality Act as they have not examined the law properly. He said that the law doesn't go into people's bedrooms and its purpose is to prevent propagating homosexuality among the young population of Uganda. On the 29th of May, U.S. President Joe Biden said, quote, We are considering additional steps, including the application of sanctions and restriction of entry into the United States against anyone involved in serious human rights abuses or corruption, end quote. How would you describe the reaction of United States officials once the Anti-Homosexuality Act was signed? Well, it is within their right because... Um, Uganda will not decide how America wants who goes there and who does not go there. That is a matter of, of sovereignty. America is right to decide who goes to their country and who does not go. And nobody is going to blame them for that because it's their country. If they choose that, uh, you know, Ugandans who are doing their legislative functions, for example, as MPs should not go to their country, let it be. What are you going to do about it? It's their country and it's their choice, it's their decision. But we, we and also the issue of sanctions, again, it is within their right. What are you going to do about it? But what we only demand is respect for each other. America should respect the decision of Ugandans on that matter. I have been telling them that, for example, in Uganda here, polygamy is acceptable. In fact, it's not an offense. In America, polygamy is an offense. So are we going to sanction America for criminalizing polygamy? In the UK, polygamy is an offense. Are you going to criminalize, uh, I mean, are you going to sanction the UK for making polygamy uh, a crime? But there are people in those countries who, if given opportunity, would love to live polygamous lives, but they cannot. And those are choices and decisions those countries have taken. 
which should be respected. Now, if Ugandans are saying this is a culture, this is a vice that is unacceptable to us, then let us be respected. And what do you think gives the United States the right to interfere in internal politics of sovereign states, especially when it comes to culture and values? Well, first of all, you are not going to take it away from them. They are some of the biggest development partners uh, with Uganda. As I said earlier on, they have massively supported uh, the health sector, the education sector, and security. So they feel that they actually have a right to have a say in what we do in this country. And because the English say, he who pays the piper controls the tune, maybe perhaps they want to control the tune. But you also know that in international relations, there is no democracy. All superpowers are bullies. There's no democracy. So that, in my view, explains uh, their attitude and approach towards uh, Uganda on this matter. You mentioned sanctions there for a moment. And in your opinion, to what extent do you think is Uganda prepared to face possible sanctions from the U.S.? Well, it is too early to ascertain the preparation because the specific sanctions have not been highlighted. We know uh, that there have been visa cancellations, but we don't know whether it will go beyond that. So it is too early, uh, you know, to to judge how uh, the sanctions will affect us and how we will respond to them. So would you describe it as more of like a threat? Well, I, 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 I don't know how to describe it. Um, but you see, action was taken uh, on their part as America. Yeah, all right. Biden also said in particular that Washington would evaluate the implications of the law, quoting, on all aspects of U.S. engagement with Uganda, close quote. What as it was put by Biden, aspects of engagement between the two countries could the law have an influence on? No, it has to do, I think, with bilateral trade and then support the sectors I highlighted, education, security, and health, where their funding is fairly significant. And to what extent would Uganda be prepared for that sort of action? Well, uh, the the... Definitely, when aid is withdrawn, initially, there must be an effect. But progressively, you must learn to cover the deficit, the gaps. And I have advised, I have said, we should look elsewhere for support. I have actually told the government here to begin engaging the Middle East and, 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 and generally other parts in Asia to engage on on the issue of aid and support to the critical sectors. Then two, to address issues of corruption in our own country so that the little money we have is not stolen and it is sent towards those sectors where aid will have been withdrawn. But also to be frugal, you know, using the limited resources in a responsible manner. So the way we, we handled the the, the lockdown, COVID lockdown, 
should really be the way we should handle uh, any situation where aid is cut. I understand. So how do you think can this behavior of the United States, such as threatening with sanctions and withdrawing aid to a country that needs it, especially in the critical sectors, uh, how do you think can this behavior be changed? Well, it can be changed in many ways. In my view, one of them is to try as much as possible to be independent and self-reliant. Countries need to utilize their resources responsibly so that they are able to meet their own development and recurrent uh, budgets to a large extent. But also, too, they need to work together as African countries. We need to work together as a bloc so that we have common interests in matters of security, economy, diplomacy, and the rest. If we are together and we work as a bloc, then we will not be bullied the, the way it is happening. But also, three, creating partnerships outside Africa with the countries that share uh, similar values. It's, it's really important to have those partnerships because eventually they will, they, will, they will create many more opportunities for us. And what are those countries that share similar values with Uganda? No, for example, uh, most of the countries in the Middle East have very elaborate laws against homosexuality. Talk about Qatar, talk about United Arab Emirates, talk about Saudi Arabia, talk about Kuwait, uh, talk about Russia. And, and those are countries that have resources and that we need to engage with. What challenges do you think could Uganda face in working together as a continent and working together with these countries that you listed? There are no challenges because as far as I'm concerned, unity is strength. <laughs> when you come together as a block, then you create a bigger market, you create bigger opportunities. So there cannot be uh, threats or challenges, but only opportunities. I only look at opportunities if we come together. Yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, do you think that there would be some countries that would rather not benefit from African countries working together or Uganda working with the countries that you mentioned? I, I think every country would benefit because the bigger point I'm making is that unity is strength. When we come together, when we are united, we achieve more, especially as Africans. We will not be bullied because we have the resources. We have the human and technical resources. We should be able to, 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 to look after ourselves. And even if we are to get support uh, elsewhere, that support should be supplementary. That with or without it, we should be able to move. Absolutely so, my brother. I definitely agree with you on that. My last question for you. You said that Madam Speaker was only the first victim of Western sanctions over Uganda's anti-homosexuality law. What do you expect will happen next? Well, I suspect many more people will have their visas revoked. Uh, fortunately, I don't have any visa of any country in the, in the Western world. 
So there is nothing to be cancelled on my part. Mm-hmm. Perhaps if I had an American visa, me and the speaker would be the first victims. But I don't have an American visa. I don't have any visa of any country in the West. So I am fairly safe. But my suspicion, my expectation is that many more people will have their visas cancelled. I suspect that uh, it is now going to become extremely difficult to get a visa from Uganda to America, especially for people like us who have championed this cause. And do you think the difficulty of obtaining visas, will that be the only challenge or would you expect anything else to happen? Well, I, 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 I don't expect <laughs> another thing because uh, from experience, that has been the biggest challenge. Maybe um, if, if, for example, um, if they think about sanctioning uh, international financial institutions uh, to single out individuals and uh, and uh, have their either uh, you know accounts frozen um that could be another challenge but uh, that one is not always uh, invoked in uh, legislations of this nature all right now i understand what you mean uh, honorable basalira thank you very much for joining us today thank you That was Asuman Basalirwa with us, who explained that the Anti-Homosexuality Act is supported by the people of Uganda, and despite the fact that homosexuality has existed in society, it must be resented by the country and the people. The law is also aimed at protecting children and preserving the sanctity of marriage. Dear listeners, thank you for tuning in. I hope you found today's episode interesting, but most importantly, as always, that you enjoyed it. I'd like to remind you that you can always listen to our Afri Verdict podcasts on numerous platforms, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Cardbox, Podcast Addict, Deezer, Pocket Casts, and AfriPods. Don't forget to check out the Sputnik Africa Telegram channel to stay on top of local and global events. Stay safe, dear friends, and until next time. Afro Verdict, brought to you by Sputnik Africa.